0: Hi, my name is Picard Hen and uh, I am an evangelist and I am uh, speaking about uh, the redemptive gifts of God that we find in Romans 12. There's seven redemptive gifts uh, that God gave to men. This is our DNA, it's who we are, Um, it's in core and essence who we are, how we operate, how we think, how we do things and so much more it's uh, our birthright our birth order why we are created the purpose that we're here what purpose we have in within the church within the world and um, what our core purpose is on god and why he created us so if you have tuned in now for the first time i would encourage you this is part five that you would go back to um my podcasts on itunes spotify and uh on soundcloud and uh, go listen and check out part one, two, three, four, and then five. Otherwise, you're gonna miss out on so many things, but I am super thankful that you're here. Welcome on this podcast, and uh, let us just dive in um, where we left off in part four. So I just wanna give you the meaning of a prophet. The meaning of a prophet is a Greek word, and it's a combination of two things that mean prior and to make known. In other words, it is to make something known before it happens. The Greek word can be used in two separate ways. First of all, it's for the manifestation gift of prophesying. God sovereignly makes things known to the individual who is going, uh, what is sorry, what is going to happen in the future. That is the kind of usage that we're accustomed to for the word prophet. I know that many times uh, we hear the word prophet. Some people get scared. They say, no, God said not to uh, to, you know, to be aware of false prophets and this and that and the other. And uh, also, we know if you're in church and uh, we're familiar with the word prophet, sometimes we think when the prophet comes to the church, everybody's going to get a word from God, something that God is saying about their life and what's going to go forward. And that is amazing. I love the prophets. I love the prophetic. I love how God is making stuff known um, about the future, stuff that happened, where where we are at now and how God sees us. Um, But the prophet brings us into the, the place where we are edified, built up and established in the ways of God as well, but the manifestation gift of prophesying that it's speaking of here, where God sovereignly makes something known to individuals on, on what's going to happen in the future, it's when the Holy Spirit speaks to you about the now and what is upcoming. But the redemptive gift of prophet that we're um, handling now and that we're diving into, it does the same thing just in a different way. Why? Because the redemptive gift of prophet is designed principle, principle by design, meaning. It basically prophesies on what is written already and basically on principles. Um, so w- w- let's say there's a bunch of clouds, the weather is um, building up and the um, the thunderstorms are getting really like loudy, but there's no rain yet. The redemptive gift of profit by principle would say, we've got to get our cars out of the way, get everything in the garage, bring all, in all the toys, make sure that everything's packed up, nothing stays outside, why? Because it's gonna rain. And people can say, well, that's, you know, it's obvious, but the redemptive gift of a prophet puts that all together within a few seconds and then uh, basically prophesies the future of what's going to happen next. So when people will say it might might rain, the redemptive gift of a prophet might look at all of this and go, yeah, but if it rains, X, Y, and Z will happen. And when that happens, then X, Y, and Z will then happen after that. And then we will sit with a big problem. So where other people might see something as a small problem, the redemptive gift of a prophet, by principle puts everything together, sees the future and goes, oh sharks, we have a problem. He might mention it and some people might think, man, this dude is just too too much. Uh, But he puts something, um, he he prophesies, uh, basically the same thing, but in a different way using principles. And he can know in advance what is going to happen. A good redemptive prophet is one who can build, not just one who criticizes. Why? Because that's one of the downfalls or weaknesses of a redemptive gift of prophet. They're very critical. Any carnal immature prophet can run around saying that this is broken. That's wrong. And this is what you shouldn't do. And that that we should actually know that this is very, very damaging to the church when someone runs around to go. Well, this is wrong. This is what you should do. This is what you shouldn't do. Do this. Make this right. Fix this. Do that. Another thing, it's damaging to the church because the redemptive gift of prophet also has no filter. They only see right and wrong, uh, good and bad, and, uh, and they wanna vent it. They have a bunch of words every day that need to come out and they don't care who hears it and how people receive it, but they're gonna say it anyway. A good prophet is someone who can embrace the problem and apply the principle in such a way as to effectively Repair the problem. Why? Because also the redemptive prophet is someone who wants to fix. They want to solve problems Another observation regarding a prophet is through the prophet's life You will learn how important the first fruits is to God And This is something that we don't always touch on but through his life You'll see that the prophet is very much on first fruits. The very first thing that God created I believe was time and here's why before you can create space you have to have time So he created time, then space, then natural law, and then matter. All the while, all of us need to give God the first fruits of our time. It seems to be much more critical for the prophet to do it. Whatever configuration, whether it is the first fruits of the week, the month, the year, the first fruits of a new project, God seems to require the prophet that he sanctifies the first fruits of a prophet. Otherwise, he will devour it. It is This is the arena of the relationship between God and man. That third level of natural law that we spoke about in uh, part three and part four. As we recognize that God has a claim on time uh, and dedicate the first fruits of the time, the rest is sanctified in a great way. So let's look at some of the other seven uh, compound um, names of God or Jehovah in the Old Testament, which also parallel the gifts of, um, of the redemptive prophets or of the redemptive gifts. I know that we've spoken about the sevens in Scripture and how the seven redemptive gifts parallel most of the hundreds of sevens in Scripture. And Jehovah Jireh is one of the seven compound names um, of Jehovah in the Old Testament that seems to parallel the gifts. And the first one is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And this is so interesting how uh, it applies to the prophet. This was given in the context that old will provide, context of commanding uh, God commanding Abraham to sacrifice Isaac. It made perfect sense to Abraham in the context of the Gentile nation he was living in. And we got to understand that God was still developing and unfolding the truth of who he was and how he wanted to relate to mankind. And the Gentile nations around and at that time sacrificed their firstborn son, their only son, as the highest form of sacrifice to bribe or to give to a holy God in small letters or in their case an unholy God because they were Gentiles. So, in the, um, so the instruction came to Abraham, sacrifice your son. And Abram knew it was his only son and that he was well over 13 years old of age. We don't actually know the specific age. Some people say 30, some people say 33. Uh, whatever age he was, we know, given the timeline, that he was well over the age of 13 years. And so he took his son, prepared a sacrifice, and God stopped him and basically said, Hey, Abram, no, come on, let's, don't do this. Uh, there's a ram, and he was caught in a bush by horns. And Abram took the ram, sacrificed it, and said, The Lord will provide. So the lesson actually is very simple. The Lord will provide the payment necessary for the sin. We've got to understand that it's all about holiness. It's all about a righteous God and satisfying the demands of God. There's such a drivenness in the prophet to excel that the prophet can drift into heresy, into trying to buy God's favor. The prophet will not always acknowledge that, but there's the belief that if we can just excel enough, or do this, or that, or the other, that it will be enough for God. For the prophet to personally come to his grips with the fact that God does not need anything from the prophet, and he does not need the prophet's self-sacrifice, God has provided everything that is necessary, and the prophet needs to come to this grips, that God doesn't need anything from him. He is merely allowing the prophet to draw honor and glory to God the way he works out the process. Similarly in in dealing with the sins of people, the prophet is one who sees the evilness of sin and also sees the restorative power of God. The prophet has a violent objection to cheap grace. It's the carnal prophet who is first in line to stone the sinner and even the mature prophet sees the deep, deep damage that is done to the body of Christ when sin dealt with, uh, sin is dealt with very, very lightly. But the carnal prophet, they want to pick up stones. They want to, come on, let's kill this guy. He's in sin. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't deserve this. There's no such thing as cheap grace. Um, or people say hyper grace. I love hyper grace because grace is hyper. The Bible says where sin runs deep, grace runs even deeper. And, and I've got to say that I'm a redemptive prophet. A deacon of alexander white the guy who wrote the book lord teach us how to pray one said of alexander no man had so often dashed him to the ground with his sermon but no man has so quickly and so swiftly and so often picked him up and showed the water in the cleft of the rock to restore my soul And that's basically the full range of the prophet he's the quickest to say this is wrong And that is very, very wrong. But the mature prophet must be someone who wisely handles the principles and knows how to rebuild a broken life. That is the masterpiece of the prophet. Anybody can be a finger pointer, prophet or not. But it is the prophet that God commissions to know the principles that were rebuilt. To know not just the evilness of sin, but to know the fullness of God's grace to be able to restore. Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide everything necessary to cover the iniquity and everything necessary to restore and to release it once again. That is the prophet at his best, Jehovah Jireh, providing the penalty and providing the restoration. The prophet is one that is drawn to brokenness. You will usually find um, that the prophet is the one working on the two extreme kind of people. The prophet has very little use for the grand national average that just fills the church pew. He spends his time with the leadership and with those who are broken but wants to be restored. It doesn't matter how badly they are broken, what brokenness is and what the brokenness is, and it doesn't matter how hopeless they are and in, uh, in themselves and that there's something that rises up within the prophet a holy race, a fierce anger that the devil would dare to destroy a work of God, a human being, a city, or a community that God has created. There's a passionate desire to bring the principles, to apply, to restore, rebuild, and release into the fullness of the birthright of the prophet. That is the heartbeat of the prophet in his maturity. Now let's go to another uh, one of the sevens in scripture, and it's the brazen altar. The brazen altar is part of the seven furnitures in the tabernacle. The first thing as you come into the outer courtyard is the brazen altar. That's where it all has to begin. Two things happen at the brazen altar. First, the person would bring a sacrifice for his sin. And again, we see here is the motive of dealing with sin in a head-on way. First thing that you do is you bring a sacrifice for sin. And second thing is the sinner comes to the priest and offers a sacrifice. A sin offering, a guilt offering, and a burnt offering. But we overlook the fact that it is, um, it is at the brazen altar that the prophet also brought his thank offerings, fellowship offerings, and praise offerings. We see the prophet's passion for celebration. The prophet is the first in line with glory stories. And he's the quickest to celebrate and celebrate extravagantly the things that God has done. Think about the prophet and his full range of emotions. Not just in the sinfulness of sin, but celebrating in advance before it is even done. Celebrating the restorative work of God. The prophet can look into that broken individual who no longer has hope and no longer has dignity. He sees him um, in a the, in the place where God can have him. The, basically, the prophet will see someone where they can be and not where they're at. They see in him the fingerprints of God and the call of God on their lives. The prophet speaks life and restoration. He comes alongside the broken person and partner with him because the prophet is celebrating celebrating years before the individual gets to the reality. The prophet celebrates who he is and who he can become once again when liberating principles are applied to remove him from his bondage. Man, I want to I wanna say this. I have, I'm a redemptive gift of a prophet. I cannot tell you how many times I've laid out the principles. Tell people, listen, you got to do this. When you do this, this will happen. And God will do this in your life and this and that and the other. And I will lay everything out. And the people will just turn around and not do anything of those. And the next week they're back. Yeah, but listen, you've got to pray for me and I will tell them, hey, have you done all of that stuff that I told you? No, not really. Well, then nothing's not going to work. Go back, go do that stuff. God has laid out principles for us to walk in the fullness of what He has paid for. But if you do not follow the principles or do what God has said, we're going to have a problem. So the prophet celebrates uh, who people can become when liberating principles are applied to remove them from the bondage. The brazen altar celebrates both aspects. The awfulness of sin and the glorious restoration that God is able to do and desires to do through the prophet. And the last thing about the seven, uh, sevens uh, that I'm going to be talking about today and in this podcast, podcast is the changing of water into wine. This is one of the seven miracles of Christ in the Gospel of John. And this is the first one of the seven miracles is the changing of water into wine. The prophet very much enjoys demonstrating the power of God. The prophet uses the power of God over nature to be able to prove somebody that their God exists. The prophet gravitates to the power encounter. And the prophet with his lack of fear and great faith is willing and able and desirous To celebrate the power of God over nature and in nature for restorative purposes. And that's where I'm just going to stop today. Um, But it's so powerful how the prophet has such an amazing characteristics. So straightforward. They hate sin. Yet they want to see people get restored. They want to see people live the fullness of life that Jesus has paid for us on the cross. And I love the redemptive gift of the prophet. And, and and if I look at the office of a prophet, they most of them are exactly the same. Very straightforward, very strict, uh, hate sin with everything inside of them, but love the power of God and the demonstration of that. So I hope you are blessed in this short podcast and that uh, you know today that you're loved, God loves you. There's no place where your sin can go deeper, where grace will not come and take you out of it. Jesus still has a plan for your life. He wants to take you out of that plan. And I just feel like I want I to say this, that hey man, if you messed up in any way this week or last week, or today, even now as you listen to this or just before you listen to it, and even if you're going to mess up after this, God still has a plan for your life. The Bible says that the gifts of God and the callings of God comes without repentance. That doesn't validate God's hand on your life, but His plan is still great for you. So I would encourage you to lay down that sin that so easily entangles us and just pick up your cross and follow Jesus. Have a blessed and amazing abundant week. Bye-bye.